Welcome to Garden DC, the podcast about everything gardening in the Washington DC and Mid-Atlantic region. I'm your host, Kathy Gents. I'm the editor of Washington Gardener Magazine, and we're aimed at gardening enthusiasts, people who grow everything from edibles to ornamentals, natives to exotics. If it grows in our area, that's what we talk about. This week on the Garden DC podcast, we have a special guest, Stephanie Fleming, formerly of Banky Nurseries and now of Beyond Bankies. Welcome, Stephanie. Hi there. How are you doing? Good. How about you, Stephanie? Doing pretty good. Enjoying the summer. Yeah, and we're finally getting kind of a break from the heat, so it's actually nice to be outside. Yes, it is. And so for those listeners who are not in the greater Washington, D.C. area, they might not be familiar with Banky Nurseries and its long history and how it's been a wonderful resource for local gardeners in the Mid-Atlantic and D.C. area. So we're going to go into a bit of the history of Banky's and the future of the property and a little bit about what you're up to these days. But first, Stephanie, I wanted to talk about you and let's talk about your home garden. And I know you were born into a uh, the industry, <laughs> into the green yeah. industry and the hort industry. But do you garden at home? And if you do, what what do you grow? Well, that's that's a question. I'm always laugh and say I'm the banky that um, doesn't do a whole lot of gardening. I like to I know what I like, and I like to point it out. And my husband is wonderful, and he'll put it out wherever I want it. And um, you know, I'm, I'm just not, I'm, I enjoy the garden, um, but I'm not a weeder. I, I used to have to weed all day long for my grandfather, and um, I leave that to others at this point. I can imagine, yeah. <laughs> and now that you're semi-retired, that definitely should be on blast, right? That you have grandkids and, and others who can help you weed. Well, yes, and, and I, I like... Um, going out my husband likes to show me the flowers and we go out and he picks me beautiful vases full every day and we we do those kind of things mm, wonderful do you have a particular favorite flower daylilies I, I love daylilies i love pansies well actually there's i love all the flowers how can you pick one <laughs> very true very you know, true one one's little side note um and we'll get into it maybe a little later but mm-hmm. for 27 years or so we had our own wholesale business in our backyard, we never had time for a garden till I went back to Banky's to work and um, he retired. And that's when he started planting everything I started bringing home. And that's how our garden evolved. Actually, let's talk about that now. What was the wholesale business? Well, we um, had Hillside Nursery. I I um, left the Banky Beltsville property when I was about 14. I grew up in that little house on the property. And my mom and uh, her husband, they moved to West Friendship, and I started working at Walnut Springs Nursery, which is a wholesale, big wholesale nursery in this area. And that's where I met my husband, um, taking cuttings under the benches, as we like to laugh about. But we got married at 19. He was 21, I think, and um, came home from a honeymoon and a couple weeks later I was told he wanted to start his own wholesale nursery and Hillside Nursery became 
um, where we pretty much grew annuals, pansies, um, cabbage, kale, mums, and poinsettias. Uh, we weren't into perennials or trees or anything like that. And we sold to uh, landscapers and garden centers. And that was what I did for about 28 years till we just, he decided to retire. My children both became school teachers. Um, one's a administrator with Howard County, he's a vice principal, and the other's a reading specialist in Howard County. So we ended the nursery and I went back to Bankies to work. So your husband, you met through the green industry right. growing plants, but he's right. still growing in your own home garden. That's wonderful. Yeah, he gets to play. So he likes that. <laughs> yeah. I would say after doing it for years for a living, it's wonderful just to be able to relax and grow what you want to grow. Right. Let's talk a little bit about Bankies and the family and maybe go way back in time to how your grandfather came to this country and why he selected the site that he did. Well, um, that's, that's a long story. I've done a couple talks at garden clubs about it. Um, about the good old days, if you want to call them that. But basically around, um, the nursery started around 1930 is the date we kind of pick. It's hard to tell by the records, but he came from um, Germany and he came over and he worked at different garden centers and uh, like Longwood Gardens and places all over the country. Uh, his father was a nurseryman. And so he came over here to learn. And when he went back, uh, he he met my grandmother on the boat. She had come over. She was from Bavaria uh, in Germany, and she was over here as a governess uh, teaching high German to in English and other things. And so they were both going back to get married to other people. And they met on the boat, and they fell in love. And the story goes that he took one look at her and decided that that was the girl for him. And he took that engagement ring. He was going to give this other girl in Germany and he threw it over the boat <laughs> and made this big declaration that he was going to marry her. But we said he kept a string to it and he pulled it back up. So whether that's true or not, I don't know, mm. but they came back together and they started the nursery. And um, I mean, who starts a business during the depression, but they did, they were right on us one. He thought that was a, be a great property. And it just continued to grow. They had four children and um, they all kind of went off in different directions. My one uncle, the oldest child, went off to the Air Force and made a career in the Air Force. My mother went off to New York, Sonia, uh, to become an actress. And um, my other uncle, William, he joined the Marines and went off to, he helped he helped with the nursery a good bit for a while, but then he left and joined the Marines and he ended up getting married and having a family in California. And then my youngest um, uncle, Albert, who came along about 17 years later, um, he was always into other things and not the nursery business, but we all, they all had a help as um, they were growing up. And as time went by, they, my uncle Roland, the oldest, came back after his career in the military and helped run the nursery, became president for many years. And when he retired, he and his wife, uh, my mother became president for many years. And then my, my um, cousins, we had a lot of different family members until the end. My brother was president and then um, Alfred 
Millard, who had been with us for over 50 years uh, by the time we closed, he was our last president. Um, and he was fantastic. He had been there since he was 14. And, you know, I, I give Alfred a lot of credit for um, keeping the business going toward, through hard times that we went through. I'm trying to think of what else. That's about it. I mean, there's a lot of history on our website and, um, you know, we have a lot more, but we'd have to be here a couple hours. Definitely. And we'll probably get into some of that, but you closed officially in 2019. June of 2019. Mm-hmm. And there were so many local gardeners who were lamenting that and, and wishing you would stay open. And it wasn't because you weren't profitable. It wasn't because, you know, there was some downturn in the market or anything like that. Um, it was pressure from other family members or just no, wanting to go in a different direction? No, no not really. Um, it was time. Uh, we were aging out. Uh, there was, there on the family members, there was nobody else left um, that wanted to be in the nursery business. I live an hour away. Um, you know, why I loved what I did, I I just could not be run the nursery. Alfred was ready to retire. You know, when you get in your 70s, it's, it's about time. Um, we had a lot of young people still there that were fantastic. But the other big thing is the, the property itself was old. And if anybody's ever been there, it's like a maze. You know, they just built and built and built. And these structures are, were ready to fall down. And there's only so much a paint can do. And you're talking about millions of dollars to fix it up. And so you had to put all that together and really sit down and take a hard look at it. And we started the planning probably eight years before we actually closed, you know, talking about it, talking about how it would work, what it would look like. We looked at all sorts of different ideas. Um, You know, do we sell it to another garden center? Do you know, what do we do? And in the end, we just decided we needed to close. Um, uh, I will say, honestly, I was not a fan of having another garden center come in and using our name. Um, it was just, I guess it's a banky thing. <laughs> I don't know how to explain that. But um, it was just, it was time. So how we ended up saying it was time. And, I'm, you know, we went out the way we wanted to. We went out with our heads held high. And um, I think we did it properly. We, when we made the announcement, we tried to um, take a lot of things into consideration and um, help our employees was our, our main concern. And, and the employees knew every step of the way. They were told two years before we actually announced that we would be closing. And we helped them with resumes. We helped them with jobs. Um, you know, it's just, it was unbelievable. And they all stayed. Um, you know, you, you worry when you're talking about late closing, that would we lose our best employees in the spring right when we would be, we knew we would be busy and, um, they stayed the loyalty of our employees, um, is what makes them a family. And I will say that we still have uh, one of the employees from the seventies started a, a Facebook private group for Banky alumni. And there's so many on there. It's just wonderful, the pictures they share. And then when after we closed, we had a huge party for all employees 
um, that had ever worked there. And I bet there was over 200 people came from all over the country, some from over the out, other countries, um, back to say goodbye. And we, it was, it was a wonderful, wonderful, sad day, but happy too. Lots of, lots of shared memories. I could imagine, you know, so many long-term employees and they must have loved working there because so many had stayed on for so many years until they retired and definitely became, you know, kind of a mini family that way. Mm -hmm. And so it's great to hear that there's still that active Facebook group for Banky alumni. And it occurs to me that we're saying the word Banky and maybe everybody is not familiar. It's spelled B-E-H. N-K-E. So obviously German and German spelling. And I'm going to give a little shout out because I was born in Bavaria myself. There you go. (laughs) So a little shout out there to to German gardeners. I want to talk about the location that he picked a little bit more in detail because you said it was right off Route 1. It is due north of the USDA headquarters. Right. Beltsville, Maryland, which is right north of the University of Maryland College Park campus in Maryland. So that was pre-Beltway. There was no Beltway at that time. Um, so you would just come out of the city, out of Washington, D.C., and go up Route 1, I think, towards Pennsylvania would be some of the travelers passing by. Absolutely. And then he was on, if you're going north, the left side of the road. So it would be more that you were coming back to stop in on the way probably back into town to pick up right. plants or flowers for your garden. So that must have been in his mind. Right. And coming from Baltimore also, mm-hmm. um, people would use that road to get to DC or whatever. And um, he did a lot of, um, he was would fill up the pickup truck, take cut. In the beginning, he did a lot of cut flowers of mums or roses or tulips. And he would take the bunches into DC to sell them out of the um, truck and things. So, you know, did a lot of work for a little bit of money. And um, when I, when I think of all the work they had to do, mm-hmm. it's, it's amazing, but it definitely was a wonderful piece of property and he leased it at first. And then he started buying up um, the different pieces. And I, at the end, there were seven different lots um, that we kind of put all together into one big lot mentioned some of the cut flowers he was growing so he was growing mostly what he sold so he wasn't buying in wholesale so can you describe say the roses or how he got started actually growing well his father and um Kelly Husen was a a grower and that's what they did and so that's what he knew um about roses he knew about um you know this is of course they weren't doing it when I came along um I have the pictures and things of them gathering up the bundles of mums. And um, my mother would say that she would stand at the edge of the road on US one and she and her brothers would have to wave the flowers to the past, you know, the drivers going by. Um, But they would be right out there in the front field, you know, where um, the big houseplant greenhouse is. And that's kind of before the time where you would buy a plant in a pot. So you would probably walk up, this would be in the thirties and forties to the nursery and walk up and down, maybe the rows of roses in the field and then pick one. And then would you get out a shovel and dig it or would he dig it for you and and ball burlap or how would that work? Most of the stuff was ball and burlap. They had, and if you go, I have, when I do my talk and all, I have a lot of family pictures 
of this uh, little shack that he sold out. And he had a few little benches there that they would put some plants there that they would sell. Um, as time went on, let's see, mom was born in 33. So when she was about 10, so I'd say 43 or so, she um, discovered African violets, a, a woman where she used to go to to learn how to embroider, gave her a violet and she brought it home. And my grandmother was fascinated by the violets. And that became a really big thing for Bankies. Um, they learned about hybridizing them. And mom said that she and her brothers would have to, when they finished their homework, would be wrapping them in newspaper, the um, seedlings that they would grow and mail them all over the country. And she hybridized the fantasy series. Um, and we had the Banky boy. And she even named one after me, Steffi. It was a pink ruffled one, which was a poor performer. So they discontinued it. But Violet's was a big deal for Banky's. And she started um, becoming more and more involved with it. And every time that a new administration came into the White House, she would send them a whole lot of uh, Violet's, say, uh, like a box full Ludy Snyder, who um, worked there, he was also uh, the head, I believe, and I probably have this wrong, the head gardener for the White House. He would take the violets in, and it was a welcome package. And I have an album that she put together of thank you notes from every first lady and some presidents, from Bessie Truman to Nancy Reagan, um, you know, thanking them for the violets. Um, Bessie Truman used to take them home with her on the train, wherever, I guess it would leave D.C. and go to their home. And so that's, you know, a treasure that I, I really like. Um, but that was my grandmother's thing. And then we, of course, as they retired, they stopped producing the violets and they started buying them in. It was, it didn't make sense to um, produce them ourselves. And, it, and I always think that's kind of sad, but um, we were known for violets. And I will say, as I've traveled around some other garden centers, I, I wish they would get more violets in. Because we used to always have at least a hundred at a time, you know, for people to choose from. But violets are like the best plant in the world to give as a gift, to put on your windowsill. And they're just, they're just so beautiful. I agree. They're, they're such an easy house plant to grow mm -hmm. and pretty much bloom all year round for me. And yeah. just take, you know, a couple of dots of uh, violet or plant fertilizer, you know, when you water them and they just keep going and going. Yeah, yeah. Um, of course, I, I, uh, disclosure, I love violets. My mother has violets that are probably 50 years old. Um, she would do talks. I'd get her to come when I came back to the nursery. I'd get her to do violet talks. And she still has them looking great. Me, I try my best. And when the nursery was getting ready to close, I brought four more home. And finally, the last one just didn't make it. And I guess I just don't have that violet thumb my grandmother and mother had. But um doesn't make me stop trying. There's always more windows to try. So mm -hmm. that's why I need to go uh, find some more. I, I just was visiting my Aunt Ellie, who um, was Roland's wife. And she had this beautiful violet in a big, like, six and a half inch, seven inch pot. And I'm like, where did you get this? And she said, well, my cousin got it for her. Well, she got it from Patuxent Nursery and um, Bowie, and that was absolutely fantastic. So I think I'm going to be going over there to get myself one. So Nice. Yeah. And great to hear that you're still buying new plants and you're not 
all planted out. Yeah. (laughs) Never stop. There's always room for one more plant. Mm -hmm. So true. And from your memories of your grandfather, what was he like as a person? For me, larger than life. There was 11 of us grandchildren, but my brother and I grew up on the nursery and there was only three granddaughters and we were spoiled rotten. So I have a totally different um, impression of him. You know, I could do no wrong. Um, I got away with murder on everything. And, you know, I, I just, he was great. The boys, not so much, you know, they, they were, um, more working, less talking. You got two hands, get to work. Um, you know, just, he was, he was a hard taskmaster, but I think he must've instilled a lot of loyalty because so many people did stay. And, um, but it was just two totally different impressions. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and he was great with customers. Uh, the customers loved him. And, um, but I, I do want to bring up, it wasn't just him because my grandmother, I don't think, and he always was first to say without her, there would be no bankies because she kept it going. She worked through uh, three pregnancies in DC um, as a, a secretary and she would get on the train and go down to DC every day and then come back and do all the books and things and, you know, get the kids going and do what had to be done. So, um, and she did all the advertising and, you know, marketing, you know, she would, I, I wish, I wish she could have lived to seen social media and digital cameras because she would have loved it. And so your grandfather was a hard taskmaster and I had heard that he had really exacting standards. Do yes. you recall um, some of the things that he rejected or said, this isn't good enough? I was, well, you know, our tagline known for quality plants. And if you wouldn't give it to your mother, it wasn't going to be on our tables. And um, he was, he was pretty adamant about that. Um, you know, and he, as he, when he retired, he had his home in Burtonsville, which was, he opened to the public to walk through and he did a lot of test gardens and growing things. And like I said, when they did the violet for me, it was a poor performer out. It went, it didn't get to stick around, but um, no, he, he wanted quality and he wanted it at a fair price for, for people to have. And he always would say, you know, his best customer was the lady that would come once a year for that one geranium because she came back every year. And he mm-hmm. meaning he wanted a loyal customer. Mm, good point. And your grandfather's uh, home garden after he retired in Burtonsville. So that was mostly roses or a display garden? D- they were display gardens. Um, absolutely gorgeous home on McNew Road. And um, they he had a huge rose garden, which um, was fantastic. Um, most of my favorite memories are him on his golf club with a big bunch of roses in his arms. And anytime anybody came to visit, he would send them home with bunches and bunches of beautiful long stem roses that he would cut and nobody else was allowed to cut them. I think Alfred finally was and Alex Danker. Um, But, you know, he was, he took such pride in his roses. Um, It took me many years before I ever wanted to have a rose bush at my house and um, because seeing a rose bush just brings so many memories of him 
Mm -hmm. And, um, but he would just, my grandmother, that was the big thing. Every morning he'd come in with fresh roses during the season and they'd be everywhere. And then as people come to visit, they'd get to go home with some. So, and he would take them down to the nursery and give them out to the employees. And, you know, it was just, it was a big thing. Do you know who owns that home now? Is that still open and still have roses? No, the gardens are gone. It was, um, he, he always told, um, and I think my brother had told me once that, um, he said that was his garden. It was his thing. And that when he was gone, that, um, he didn't expect people to continue it because they needed to work at the nursery. Um, it was always about retail. Um, that was the bottom line. That's, that's what his philosophy was about. That was his private garden. So the gardens and the place was sold. It was sold to a church and I think it still is a church, but they didn't keep, I mean, they didn't keep it going. That was like a full-time thing. I mean, he had full-time staff up there helping him. And it's too bad it's lost to time, but I do see on your bankies.com website, there are still photos of it. So people can go and enjoy those there. Mm -hmm. And many of the specimen plants were sent to the Arboretum. Uh, some were sent to Longwood Gardens. So, you know, some went down to Bankies. Um, you know, just they, they went places. We did our best on that. You mentioned uh, Alex Denker and oh, yeah. some of the former employees there. So let's talk about how and where some of those employees have gone on to their careers from Bankies. Well, many of them have jobs in the government at the Arboretum, and I will probably get things wrong. You probably know better than I am um, of where they end up. But Alex was our manager. He started as a young boy, as a teenager, at my grandfather's. And he has a, a wonderful story of his first day that someday I might publish. I think I, he gave me a copy of it when he retired. But he ended up go, keeping going to school, and then he ended up getting a job Um at one of the museums and he's done very well there. Mm -hmm. He has a beautiful family. And, um, you know, that, that's one of the things that my grandfather always liked, you know, that they would learn from him. Um, so many went on to start their own businesses. Yoss Rosen came over, um, as a young man from Holland and he started, uh, Rosen's nurseries. And, um, I don't know, many people might not remember, but um, Metzler's Gardens in Columbia was John Metzler. Um, they're no longer around, but, you know, he started as a young man. And um, Homestead, um, oh, my mind is going um, blank, but uh, Don. Don started um, working at Bankies, and then he uh, started Homestead. So they all got their roots at Bankies, which I think is always fun to you know, talk about. Mm -hmm. And Alex's uh, Denker is with the Smithsonian Gardens at the Air and Space Museum. That's right. Yep. That's right. And I think he might have moved on to another museum now too, but within the Smithsonian Gardens. And the Arboretum you're mentioning for those who are out of the area, we're talking about the U.S. National Arboretum that's mm -hmm. located in Washington, D.C., and that's overseen by the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Right. So it's considered a research facility. Yeah, I think, I believe Chris Upton worked there mm -hmm. before he retired. Um, yep. You know, it just, um, there's so many in so many different positions that it's, you know, it's hard to keep track. But it, it's always, and some of our employees that we had when we closed have now gotten um, different jobs 
um, in the government. So, you know, at different gardens and everything and some private gardens, so which is fantastic. Do you ever do, say, a reunion party? I know it's only been two years since your official closing. Reunion parties. Well, as soon as we closed, um, we started, there's a, there's this little restaurant next door to Banky's in Beltsville called Remington's been there forever. And so, um, Marion, uh, Parsley, who was our head buyer and everything for annuals had been there for over 30 years would always organize these different, uh, gatherings. And before COVID hit, I think we were going there once a month and typically 20, 20, 15, 20 people would show up different people, different times. And some that were current employees when we closed and some that had been past employees. And then COVID happened. And of course, that all came to a standstill. And just last month, we finally had our first get together. And it was wonderful. Um, you know, just seeing people. And I'm, I'm personally not comfortable yet with the hugs. But, you know, we keep our social distance. But it, it was so nice. And they're talking about doing it maybe every couple months. Um, getting together. And, you know, I think that connection, and we're very lucky in this day and age to have uh, things like social media and Facebook and texts and stuff where we can interact with each other. And I still talk to um, like Alfred and Mary Talabak um, was our woody plants buyer. She's always available to help me. If, when somebody asks me a, a technical question about a plant, I'll write to her or Larry Hurley who was our perennial buyer in the past, or, or my main guy on helping me with my writing, um, they're, they're right there to answer. And Mary is, is great because now she's with the uh, Maryland Cooperative Extension. So right. she's now available for everybody to ask their garden questions through yes. the Cooperative Extension program. And she's doing great with that. So then and that's such a free um, thing. And I, I wrote about that one week and said, you know, you need to, check this out. And it's not just her. There's plenty of um, resources there for the homeowner. And mentioning Larry Hurley, who is a font of information, oh. I that brings back memories of the Banky radio show that Larry and John Peter Thompson hosted for years. Do yes. you have anything you can share about that radio show? Um, yeah, they, they did a great job. And uh, Yoss Rosen was, uh, I think, part of getting them to going to do that um, you know, talk to them about doing it. And they were, they were a great mix. They just were terrific. I'm trying to remember the name, the garden gnome, or I can't remember what they called it, but, um, they did it once a week and it had a huge following. So that was, that was fun. Larry enjoyed that. And, mm -hmm. you know, Larry's my, I call him my editor in chief. He's still, you know, when I write my articles, he, you know, checks all my spelling and punctuation for me. And, um, <laughs> you know, I'm getting better. I do remember being a guest on their radio show many, many years ago. And that the first caller question I got was a turf grass question. Oh, dear. <laughs> I was like, I'll talk about anything but turf grass. But yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, so in addition to the radio show for promotions, I remember... Banky's having several special events and festivals throughout the year. Mm -hmm. And I think that there used to be a tomato taste or a tomato festival. They did a tomato festival in Largo where they had a growing facility. Um, they did a, a poinsettia walk where you could see all the um, 
spanky, beautiful poinsettias because they grew all their own at that point. Um, they, they did many things. And uh, of course, that was before I came. When I came, I started getting into the, more of the social media and started I started doing things for uh, benefit other groups. So we would do like the garden social. And I think you were you were involved with all of these things. But mm-hmm. And so that was like uh, once a year at the beginning of June, uh, a festival where different local garden clubs and organizations could take a table. And it, I remember it was there was a silent auction and right. benefit for Brookside. Friends of Brookside Gardens. And Carol um, was one of the people that would just help me mm-hmm. tremendously. Yes, yeah. she was absolutely fantastic. And um, I think she's trying to get something up like that again. I saw an email. Mm-hmm. But um, so that was always a lot of fun. And we did that for five or six years. And we'd bring in speakers in each garden club. It was a way for a customer to come through to maybe join the Hosta Club, or maybe they might see that the African Violet, you know, they love that, or maybe they um, check out the Daylily people because, you know, not everybody has enough time to take out of their day to go see a group and see if they're interested in it. You know, that's a lot involved. So if you could see them all in one place, you could get their information and make a good decision because we do need people to join these plant societies. They, they're, it's a wonderful resource. And Kathy, you know mm-hmm. so much about that as you're involved in a few, aren't you? Just a few. Just a few. <laughs> but yeah, that was a great resource to have them all in one place and to be able to go from table to table and, right. and talk to the different groups and yeah. figure out which ones you might want to be aligned with. And one past festival I remember in particular was the Azalea Festival that you right. host. Yes. Um, can you describe that a little bit? Well, I think that was a, a one-time thing. I had just gotten to the nursery, and um, it was a, a week-long thing about azaleas. And, of course, the day of the big event, it poured down rain. Mm. But we, we still had a lot of fun, and they talked about all the different azaleas and stuff. And, and you know, uh, azaleas were another big part of Banky's and my grandfather. Um, he gave a lot of azaleas, I believe, to the Arboretum. Um, but that I don't, I can't, I'm trying to remember a whole lot about that one. Yeah. The fact that it would rain, you know, on the, <laughs> on, the on the best day of the festival. Yeah. yeah. I remember it was pouring that day, but still wonderful and flowers and plants don't mind. And, no. and gardeners are pretty hardy. They'll come in still with their galoshes or, or raincoats on oh, absolutely. Um, and still shop and look at the, the azalea displays. So that's wonderful to see. Um, still people turning out yeah, yeah because i would imagine for a garden center weather is a huge factor in your business so it's either oh, too hot or too cold so if it rains on mother's day weekend mm. you see a lot of sad faces at a retail garden center mm. um you know we need the rain yes we need the rain but please let it rain at night or please let it rain during the week because um you know, that's our busiest day. It's a, a, it's, you make your money in a retail garden center, independent garden center, I should say, um, 10 to 14 weeks in the spring. And, you know, that's when, that's when you make your money and, um, you need to have that money to pay your employees throughout the rest of the year and to bring in new merchandise. So it, it, it rain, rain is, um, an interesting thing that I have to say right now, when it rains, I don't get upset. <laughs> I don't have to worry when, you know, there's, when it's a snowstorm on Valentine's day, 
I'm like, oh man, I feel bad for those places. And, and I can just sit in my house and not go anywhere. I don't have to beat snow off a greenhouse or something like that. Hmm. And that does bring up when you talk about the weather and those 10 to 14 weeks where you're making most of the, the bulk of your money for the year, um, you know, that can really impact the rest of your business for, oh. for all of that. But Banky's is one of the few garden centers that was always open year round. Yeah. Um, a lot of them still do it now or, or they'll shut for January, February um, in the mid Atlantic area. Other areas will differ for what season they're closed during, but you guys would stay open even after the holiday season. Yep. Yep. We closed uh, Thanksgiving. We were closed and Christmas day. Um, those were the two days we were closed. For several years, you were growing your own poinsettias in Largo. Many years, um, even before Largo, uh, my grandfather always grew our poinsettias. Mm -hmm. And so that also brought in Christmas and holiday business, but you also had a special holiday shop. Yes. So that's, that's probably my favorite thing in the whole world was when I got to become buyer for the Christmas shop. And, um, I got to go to Atlanta and help pick out stuff and I'm carrying it on to my, uh, you know, we, we have um, called beyond bankies now and I have to offset some of the expense of the website and everything. I have an online shop and I am just having so much fun with that, but I love buying holiday gifts or Christmas gifts and Easter gifts and Valentine's stuff. And I've always wished we had a actual, you know, room that I could set up year round as a gift store, but that wasn't to be, we were about plants. I was told, mm -hmm. imagine that. So. <laughs> so for the when it trips to Atlanta, you're going to the gift market. Yes. And, America, uh, mm -hmm. Mark. and then you're ordering wholesale from them and buying mm -hmm. and getting to choose, but right. that's always fun to kind of spend what you would consider other people's money. Oh, so. <laughs> absolutely. Now, now I got to spend my own money and mm -hmm. it's a little, it's a little more, difficult for me which is but but I'm having fun you know I'm I'm learning about all sorts of stuff online on how to um I have a huge following that were banky customers um that you know read my email and um, buy from me and I'm trying to expand it across the country so I'm learning about SEOs search engine optimizing <laughs> and yep. you know getting a lot of help from one of the former employees who did our website Larry Bristow he does website design for people. Nice. And we're revamping. It's coming hopefully by the end of the year. We we rebranded the Banky name into Beyond Bankies and um, came up with a new logo, keeping the Banky B, which was very important to me. My mother actually designed it when she was around 17. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that we just it's just been terrific. I, I'm very excited about all this. And listeners, when uh, Stephanie says Banky B, she doesn't mean the insect B, B-E. No. She means no. the, the big the capital B um, is the logo with the Banky boy leaning against it. Yeah. Um, and so that's their logo for the Bankies. And tell our listeners how they can sign up for that newsletter. Well, you can go to our website at um, www.bankies.com, B-E-H-N-K-E-S. And um, there's right on the front page is a place where you can sign up. Um, basically, it comes out every Thursday morning. I, I write a little article 
uh, either about plants or a banking memory or about my grandchildren or whatever, you know, I find interesting. And then usually sometimes Larry Hurley will write a lot article or I'll find an article that we have. We have over 1200 posts, which is another reason I wanted to keep the site alive because we have so much content on our website, so much, so much free information for people wanting to know how to, or, you know, um, how to grow this or what does this mean? Or, um, so I want to keep that going. And then I put stuff that I'm selling online. I put a few things in there. Yeah, I was just looking at one of the recent articles on daylilies, mm -hmm. um, and I saw that the Stephanie Fleming daylily. Oh, yes. And can you tell us that story? Um, so my grandfather, like I mentioned, used to uh, have test gardens in Burtonsville, and he would trial different daylilies, and he named um, one uh, called Stephanie Fleming after me. He named one after my cousin Jeannie, Jeannie Banky Burns. Um, he named one after, um, a couple different people and his sister Elsa in Germany had one. I don't think I have ever seen it, but I just heard. And then somebody, and there's so many different stories about it. Um, one of the first white day lilies, and it was more like a cream. They that person named it Albert Banky. And, um, so my husband would always keep the Jeannie Banky, the Stephanie Fleming and the Albert Banky, and I still have them in my garden. I actually just took some down to uh, one of our former employees from years back. Um, she had lost her Albert Banky, and so I gave her another one. But um, they're they're nice. But my grandfather, of course, didn't like his. He said that it was a wimpy plant. So, but I love mine. <laughs> I'm sure it's wonderful to have a plant named after you. Yeah, and, yeah. especially one that does so well. Yeah, it's a, it, that's better than the violet. So whenever the topic of banking nurseries comes up uh, at a gathering of local gardeners now, and people are reminiscing about how much they loved shopping at the nursery, about their experiences there, then inevitably they ask, what is going to happen to that land and that property? So do you have any news to share on that? Well, um, it's been a long road. Um, as of Thursday, we finally got our uh, detailed site plan approved for 7-Eleven, which is um, going to be at the corner where the big block Don Rose building, as we called it, it was on Howard and uh, uh, Route 1. So that's been done. There's still more steps in the road to go. We already have a contractor who um, is a contractor with Pepco that is leasing part of the Bath property. And as for the rest, time's going to just tell. Uh, the original plan, as many might have heard, at a lot of our um, meetings we had with the commuting community was going to be townhouses. And we were approved for it. However, there's pending legislation, I can't ever say that word, out there that no residential property can be within 300 feet of the gas pumps. And it looks like that's going to pass. So we're now expecting the property totally to stay commercial. There won't be any residential that's about all I can I know at this point. Mm -hmm. um, it's been sad. You know, when we closed, I was, well, the whole thing was pretty sad. And, um, you know, and I go there now and I look at how it looks and it's falling down and the vandalism that has occurred. And, of course, it was completely stripped of everything of any value was sold. And um, 
it just it doesn't look good um i am now ready for it to be demolished um and that time will come hopefully in the fall it it takes a long time apparently it's not just one permit you have to get you got to get a lot of permits and with covid things got put back but um you know it, we always took pride in keeping the front looking really nice and howard looking really nice and when you leave a property and it's abandoned like that people tend to start thinking it's a a place to just uh, litter and we have this one um, customer um, who's be a great friend of Banky's uh, who lives nearby and he likes to kind of oversee the property and he's done a lot for us because since I live an hour away but he took it upon himself he cleans up the side of the road he'll go out there and with bags and clean up the trash and um, you know I think that's what a wonderful thing to do because um, he he just can't stand it, um, but it's it's time. I'm 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 ready for that to happen. To you know to be leveled out and all the old mm-hmm. buildings gone because they need to go. Well, it's it will be sad to see them go, as you say. And you have your memories. We have our photos. So it'll be interesting to see what the next chapter brings for that property. The buildings were original. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, a lot of that was uh, the warehouses. I have pictures of the warehouse being built, the boiler room backed by perennials. I have a video. Uh, I guess my grandmother used to take lots of videos, and I have a video of these guys in suits and ties trying to get this huge monster in there. And um, <laughs> that's always amazing watching the uh, people. I was at a craft show last month and was talking to a woman whose father was actually one of the carpenters that helped build a lot of the buildings. And, um, you know, she was so excited to see us there at the craft show. And that does bring up that if any listeners are in the area and want to get in contact with you, aside from the website, you mentioned that you're doing craft shows now. Yes, I am. And I pretty much talk about them in the email um, this weekend. Um, you're probably too short of notice, but there's going to be at the Howard County Fairgrounds Christmas mm-hmm. in July, Saturday and Sunday on the 24th and 25th. It's going to have a butterfly safari garden in a tent, but it's going to be really cool. And I'll be there selling um, a lot of the old ornaments that we used to sell in the Christmas shop. And there's another one that I'll be doing in Eldersburg in October. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm having fun. It gets me out and see people now that we're allowed to get out a little bit more. And I'm sure you run into many uh, older customers who recognize Mm -hmm. you. Um, So that's always fun to have that interaction with the public too. And they recognize the name. Mm -hmm. You know, the first, the first year we closed in 2019, I was invited to go to La Plata and I did it. It was a three day Christmas show, the Chris Kringle Christmas show in La Plata. And they do it every year. Uh, They bought almost all of our um, props and stuff for Christmas all i mean he was he bought everything and it was you know our santa chair and our reindeers and everything went out on a trailer and so he said why don't you come and i went there to make banky bows and um ended up they weren't interested in banky bows they wanted my ornaments so i (laughs) guess i'm not going to be making banky bows which my hands appreciate (laughs) and can you Tell us a little bit about a banky bow. What makes it a banky bow? A banky bow is a certain way of making a bow. And it's probably a common way that other people do. I've seen many different ways, but my mother and my aunt 
um, insisted that every bow be made this way. And I did a little video on how to do it. But um, and it's pretty simple, but they're a nice full bow that can go on your wreath or go on your staircase or your fire mantle. And if you take care of it, um, can last many years if you properly stuff it with tissue paper and, you know, don't just squish it up in a bag. And um, so that's one of the things we were well known for. People would buy their wreaths and then come into the Christmas shop and we had a wreath counter and we would work on that. So make a lot of bows. And I'm sure there are still some banky bows in attics and basements all yeah. over the D.C. area. Yep, and I'm still out there making them, too. <laughs> we never stop. Thank you again, Stephanie. Thanks for sharing your memories of Banky Nurseries, of your family business, and your pioneering grandfather. Yeah, well, thank you for having me. And I just want to say one last thing is when you want to go get a plant, Please support your local independent garden centers. It's very important. I know you can get plants at places like the box stores and grocery stores, but really consider that, you know, it's you need to maybe take that extra step and go to a garden center and um, just support them and what they do. Amen, Stephanie. Thank you so much. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Agapanthus plant profile. African lily, Agapanthus species, is a beautiful flower that blooms on the tip of a long stalk held above strappy green foliage. Most folks are familiar with the Agapanthus flower in many shades of blue, from aqua to navy, but it's also available in pure white. This perennial bulb grows easily in most any soil from sandy to clay. It is resistant to wind and salt air so it's a great choice for growing in coastal regions. It prefers full sun, though it tolerates part shade as well. Agapanthus has many other attributes, such as being very drought tolerant, deer and rabbit resistant, and a pollinator favorite. Most African lilies are hardy to USDA zones eight through 11, like the Compact Storm Agapanthus series from Anthony Tessilar Plants. If you are in a cooler climate, plant them in pots and move the containers inside to a protected spot during the winter. Some cultivars are bred to thrive in Zone 7, with extra mulching to insulate them, such as the Agapanthus Stevie's Wonder, available from Brenton Becky's Bulbs, and others, like Agapanthus Blue Yonder, are said to be hardy down to Zone 5. Your mileage may vary. The only care they need is an initial boost with slow-release fertilizer after being planted then apply fertilizer annually thereafter to encourage flowering. Agapanthus, you can grow that. What's new in the garden this week? Well, 
it seems like every rainstorm passes just north or just south of my little neighborhood. So I have been in a serious drought and just watering just to keep things alive at this point. So praying for some rain to come by and give us a good soaking. Hopefully you all have had some decent rains and are not in the same position. Uh, locally happening in the garden world, uh, there is a daylily sale and auction on Saturday, July 31st, uh, held by the Free State Daylily Society at McLean's Nursery in Baltimore, Maryland. Check that out. And then we are hosting our own Washington Gardener photo contest showing of this year's winners on Sunday, August 1st from 2 to 3.30 p.m. is the opening reception and everybody's invited to that. It's open to the public. It's held at Meadowlark Botanical Gardens in Vienna, Virginia in the Visitor Center. Um, some of the photographers should be there and family and friends. And those are the winning photos that we published earlier this year for 2021. They are all photos taken in the DC area of local gardens. So they could be close-ups of wildlife, close-ups of plant parts, or vignettes or vistas from local landscapes. And we'll be opening up for entry for next year's contest for photos taken this year at the end of December into early January. So look out for that notification. Elsewhere, uh, looking ahead on the calendar a bit, Friends of Brookside Gardens is having their fall plant sale September 11th and 12th. Tudor Place is bringing back their 29th annual garden party in Washington, D.C. on September 22nd. And we are going to host our tomato taste at market very soon. So look out for notification of that coming up. And before I sign off, I do want to say a special thank you to a new sponsor of our podcast and that's a listener supporter sherry so i just want to say thank you sherry for your support thank you for listening to garden dc you can become a listener supporter for as little as 99 cents a month by going to anchor.fm slash gardendc slash support. Another way to support this podcast is to subscribe to our monthly digital publication, Washington Gardener Magazine. To do so, go to washingtongardener.com. Thank you. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You can find Washington Gardener online at washingtongardener.com, on Twitter at WDC Gardener, on Instagram at WDC Gardener, 
and on Facebook.com at Washington Gardener Magazine.